This is the guy, Chad. This is day 27 of trying to find a cure for the big dog and the people's host. So far, what we've found is that when they went into the dark forest, they got bit by some kind of spider and it's turning them into a wrestlers. Leland is becoming Stone Cold. Josh is becoming Macho Man. So far, all we know is that noises or a loud noise seems to kick them out of whatever trance they're in when they are becoming those characters. I am going to try test 143 to see if this works. Oh shit, that was a little loud. Caused a little bit of destruction. We need to tone that back just a little bit. I feel like we're getting close. I have to save my brothers. Check back in later. Hey folks, this is the guy, Chad, and you are listening to a DogCast Studio podcast. Catch the Turnbuckle Report every Wednesday, DogCast every Friday, and ScareCast every Monday. You can listen to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podomatic, and we are now on TuneIn and iHeartRadio. Follow our shows on Facebook or Twitter, and stay heel, baby. Well, hell yeah, you sons of bitches. You found the Turnbuckle Report. And hell yeah, you found it. We've been, these boys here have been swiveling on beers at Cool Coors Light all afternoon just kicking ass and taking names. I got two of these candy sons of bitches with me. Ooh, I already hear them revving up. That's right, macho. Oh, yeah. Oh, we still. Thanks for having me on the show, kid. Because if you didn't have me on this thing, I would not think it was the best in the world. But it is, of course. Oh, yeah. I really got to find a cure for you guys, man. Hell yeah. What you're bringing to the show right now is a high quality. It is one, two, three strikes. You're out, you son of a bitch. And we're going to work his <laughs> ass. The amount of power I'm bringing in is the next level. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this right now. We're the strongest. I don't even know if you guys even know I'm on the show. What is this? Dude, I gotta find a cure, man. I gotta find a cure. I got your cure. John 3.16 says about the Bible and shit. Well, hell. Austin <laughs> 3.16 says I just whooped your ass. Okay. All right. I'm gonna play this sound. And I really hope it works and it snaps you guys get out. I've been testing this for just weeks. Get on with the show. Here we go. Here's the sound. What's your sound? All right, so test 143 seems to work. Okay, I'm going to stick this out. I think I think eventually we're going to get there, guys. You just got to bear with me. I'm going to find a cure. You guys will be back to normal soon. Just trust me, I have this. Hey, hey Leland. Hey, Leland, it's me. It's Chad. Hey, I'm making some, some cure for some um, imaginary thing. Uh-huh. Why can't you? <laughs> hey, you know what? A couple months ago you had a problem and you were messing with the time and everything. And, and now it's 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 always something with us. Like, what the hell is wrong with that? I'm just trying to get into the show, coming in my normal. I don't know how you can't remember it's my your, normal intro. I always you, you came do, to the Chad. scare house. You got bit by some bug. You started talking like Stone Cold. You've already forgotten. This thing even creates amnesia. I don't even know what amnesia is. Can I just put that out there? Can we just start the show over? Sure. From the start. Yeah, please, because you guys, you guys annoy the shit out of me. I want you to hear this back later. Well, I'm gonna listen to it back. I'm gonna listen to you screwing up my intro. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's let's try it again. Hey, 
Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Turnbuckle Report. I'm your people, Sons Leland. Tonight is a good night because we were, we're above ground. We're taking in air. We're drinking that Coors Light. We're feeling good today. It's summertime, baby. COVID hasn't killed my summer. It hasn't killed these two guys' summer. Bringing in to my immediate left, the guy, Chad. What's up, buddy? What is going on, my dudes? <laughs> All right, it's me, the guy. Wait. Am I the guy or am I the big dog? Shit. Um, you kidding me? Well, there's only one big there dog. There is only one you're big You're talking guy. to him right now. Dogcast father himself, Joshua. What's up, brother? What is going on, my diddly 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 dudes? I'm feeling good. I mean, I know I say that every show that, oh, I'm feeling good. And people probably don't think I, I'm feeling that good. But I have been chomping at the bit to get on the air. I've been bugging the hell out of you guys, ready to get on the air, ready to talk some wrestling. We had a sure big week last week. A lot going on. Huge amounts going on. The first thing, and we're going to get to it at the uh, the top of the show, rather, the end of the show. Uh, we're going to talk a little Undertaker. He finally announced his retirement. Um, some think it's long overdue. Others think like me and think the guy was never going to retire. I'm a little bittersweet about it. I'll get get into that later in the show. A lot of AEW stuff going on, a little bit of Dr. Disrespect stuff going on. Guys, what is on your mind right out the gate tonight? Josh, where's your mind when it comes to wrestling? Wrestling right now. Mm, the, probably the most entertaining thing in wrestling is their documentary series on The Undertaker. <laughs> am I right or am I right? It's awesome. You're right. The last ride. The last good. of rides. Riding the ride of last. last. Exactly. Yeah, no, I can't wait to get into that later in the show. And it, it's kind of a, a bittersweet week. I mean, I can't remember wrestling, watching any wrestling without The Undertaker. So that's uh, that's pretty crazy to think about, that he's finally hanging up the hat, hanging up the uh, the, the boots. But um, Do we believe yeah. he is this time, though? Because we've seen this before out of him. I mean, I'm not so not as formal as this, but where, you know, he leaves the jacket and the hat in the ring and he walks away and he kind of did it his own way the first time and then he comes back he wrestles you know thanks to john cena calling him out do you mm-hmm. think he'll stick it out this time i do i think he's finally done i think he found the piece that he needed i think this documentary helped him do that um yeah i think he's i think he's done what was your favorite match taker ever put on mm. well i'm not gonna waste to the end of the show we're just gonna get right into it and we'll fill in the fill in the gaps later man my number one match with Undertaker was WrestleMania 25 with uh, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. It was the Heaven or Hell match. Um, that goes that down. That was a great match. It's not just the, for me, it's not just the greatest Undertaker match or the greatest Shawn Michaels match. That could arguably be um, the greatest match of all time for me. Um, and I know a lot of people feel the same way, but it, that was just, the whole, the whole thing was fire. All the promos leading up to it. Um, the fact that they let these guys go and, and tell the story. Um, and you know what? I was watching it back. And one of the things that really stood out to me was I have went on the show. I've went on these airwaves multiple times and talked about how I hate it when guys are kicking out of each other's finishes. But those two guys, I think Shawn Michaels must have kicked out of Undertaker's finish like five times. And it never once lost me. Because they were telling such a story, and it was so needed that I wish I could come on air and tell you exactly why I loved it and exactly why it's so much different than other guys doing it. 
other than it was such a big moment that it warranted it. Um, the way that Taker sold it, specifically um, that tombstone pile driver he throws on Sean and Sean kicks out and, and Taker's uh, fatigued body just kind of falls on him and then the camera zooms in on his face and you see his baffled, um, starry-eyed look, you know. It's just the way they sold it and they were late in the match doing it. Um, and they didn't need a gimmick to do it. They didn't need a, a gimmick. They didn't need a strap. They didn't need any of that stuff. They just went out there and, and sold for each other. And um, man, that, that, that was my favorite. That was a short answer long, but uh, that was my favorite match. What about you? Uh, for me, is yet another Undertaker versus uh, Shawn Michaels or HPK match. Except for mine, it was in 1997 for uh, In Your House. It was a Bad yeah. Blood match. Uh, this And the reason is, is because then this is the one where, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the one where Kane uh, ripped the cell door off. And came in, and uh, and gave Undertaker a tombstone. Yes, that's right when he there. debuted. That was in St. Louis. Right. That's when he debuted. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorite matches because before T- uh, Kane even came out, uh, Taker and, and Sean were just putting on a damn show. Like it, it was all over the place. There was uh, just throughout the match, from what I can remember, just the the super kicks to uh, you know Taker walking the rope and and everything. Just it was constant. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this crazy ass match, here comes Kane. And the fire, you know, raining down, and you got uh, uh, Paul Bearer coming out. Like it was just oh, God. that. For t- <laughs> oh, God, he's broken. Oh, God. What are you doing here? That's kind. It's kind. Yes, it's the exactly. devil Just one of those memorable moments. I know that was more of a Kane moment, but the match itself with Undertaker and HBK, solid, solid, solid. That's Absolutely. one of my favorites. Absolutely, Josh. I know you're chomping at it. Favorite, favorite Taker match of all time. So I have a couple, but when I think my favorite overall, when I think Undertaker, most memorable match, no match is more memorable to me than the classic Hell in the Cell with Mankind. Oh, Throwing yeah. that some bitch right off the top, slamming him through the top, and that wasn't even supposed to happen. And mm-hmm. then hearing all the backstory about everything that happened during that match and him having a broken foot, he jumped from the top of the ring. I mean, when you go back and you rewatch that, and, and even before I knew it even happened, you, you, you watch that match, like, fuck, man, that's a good match because there's so many yeah. times where you're like, how is Mankind, like, legitimately, like, wrestling aside, like, pro wrestling aside, like, when you fall from the top of a hell in a cell through a table, and then you get your ass back up there, and then you fly through again, hit the ring, I'm sorry, bro, but, like, your body can only take so much, and he got like, destroyed, mm-hmm. and then the fact that the Undertaker jumped from the top with a broken foot, I mean, Man, that match to me just is my personal favorite because there's just so many awesome moments. I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with WrestleMania 23, Taker versus Batista. I Was that your second? No, 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 no. no. Uh, because that match was rigged because Dave Batista <laughs> lost. Listen, <laughs> listen. No, you know what? It, it, that's not even his most memorable WrestleMania match. His most memorable WrestleMania match to me, if you were going off that aspect would be when he wrestled Triple H and Shawn Michaels yep. was the referee. Yep. And I'm glad they brought up in the documentary, just a little side note, that he kicked out of the pedigree and the freaking Sweet Chin music at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 was I I watched that that I actually watched that live. And when that happened I was like, "Oh man, he's lost." Cuz then that that point in time in wrestling, they didn't kick out of that shit. No, finish like, or actually finish somebody. Yep. Right. Yeah, especially no, in those two of them. Days. Especially yeah, two you, of them. 
that that part you got your finisher you were the, the most biggest billy badass in for sure. the company for sure you know one of the things i i, I just kind of want to interject here with the the one of my buddies is um his son his six-year-old son is just now starting to get into wrestling a little bit thanks to the people's host you're welcome and uh i told him i said you know he really should listen to Turnbuckle Report and get a good education in pro wrestling. And then I've listened to some of our episodes and realized it's really not for six-year-olds. But th- putting that aside, putting that aside, the kid's loving wrestling. He's watching the network 24-7. Well, anyway, I'm having a conversation with him. He hasn't been a wrestling fan more than, I don't know, a month and a half, two months at this point. I said, son, who's your who's your, uh, who's your your top five? So we start going through his Rushmore, and I'll be damned if Undertaker's not on his Rushmore. And the reason he's on his Rushmore is he goes back to that 97 match with him and Mick Foley. Mick Foley going off the cage. That's one thing that the, the WWE Network has done for us is now we have this new, young, young generation that's able to relive those things. You didn't have to be as old as us to be able to watch those pay-per-views live to enjoy that. Now you can go back and watch it. I love that Undertaker has that mystique. It, I've heard it said, and it was said a lot in that uh, Last Ride documentary, the, the five episodes that The Undertaker is the greatest character in pro wrestling history. And I've heard that said before the documentary, but after watching the documentary, hearing Mark Calloway talk about his character and hearing everybody else kind of talk about it, especially Edge. Edge, I thought, had some really insightful things. He sounded really smart in that show. He truly is. Undertaker truly is the greatest character. Ric Flair may be the greatest wrestler, but the greatest character to ever come out of pro wrestling has got to be The Undertaker. You guys have any disagreement on that? I don't have any disagreement on that because Ric Flair is a person. The Undertaker is a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a year ago I would have said, well, I don't know, man, because I really believe Bray Wyatt is on his way. But oh, my God. fast forward to today. Yep, Undertaker for the win. What would be the most, uh, what, what was the thing in those five episodes, what was the thing that really stood out to you guys? Like, wh- each one of you, if there was one thing that just really jumped off the paper and just jumped off the screen to you, that like, oh man, I didn't know that, or, you know, that was insightful, or, you know, whatever it is. What uh, what was it that really stood out to you guys? What was the one thing? You know, I have to say something, too, and it's not so much about that documentary. I felt like most of the documentary was well well much just a recap of Undertaker's wrestling career, things that we kind of knew. For me, it was the Broken Skull conversation he had with um, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Steve Austin. Those were things where I had to, where I learned something kind of new about Taker. Steve Austin, um, you said? Yeah, with the Broken Skull Steve Austin podcast. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, shit. No, 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 no. 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 We're good. <laughs> Cheers, uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but on that one, and maybe not so much he gave information, but just seeing Mark Calloway, not The Undertaker, just seeing him in his you know his hunting shirt with his hair mm-hmm. back and just hearing how he talks. He, he's What I didn't know... God bless Texas. ...is how much, pr- how much leadership this man had and how much he demanded respect and how yeah. he wanted other wrestlers to be respected. I think, if anything, I kind of learned that if he thought you were going to get over, if he thought you were worth a shit backstage, if you got his blessing, you then you were in. But if you didn't get Taker's blessing, then you got to work your ass off because you're going to have to do something because you didn't get it. 
uh, John Cena being one. He gave John Cena his blessing, and then shit, career skyrocketed. So, yeah. you know, to have somebody demanding that kind of presence is just, will they ever find that again? Will there ever well, be a wrestler like that ever that again? We know so much about wrestling being a cynical world, and, and these wrestlers can be um, very selfish. They can be very all about them. As much as you want to think they have a team spirit and this, that, and the other, and as much as, you know, we think AEW really has that right now. Um, the truth of the matter is this is a business and they are independent contractors and you only are an independent contractor because you want to make money. So the fact that we know that, we know that about wrestling and we know that these guys can be cynical. You've got the undertaker that truly is the player's coach. He truly is in the locker room, the one, you know, teaching the guys, going the extra mile, looking for that next step, always thinking about that next person that's going to come up behind him and propel the business. It's just so rare, and, and and to your point, Chad, that you don't see that in wrestling. And will we ever Not get often. another one? I, I don't know that we will. I, I really don't. Who, Maybe who's Cody. Who's going to be able to fill those, fill those shoes? I'm sorry, Cody? Maybe Cody Rhodes. It's possible. Yeah, Cody Rhodes, maybe. Um, yeah. And, and the thing is, we won't know for another 10 to 15 years because, let's face it, The Undertaker, a lot of these people, to include a Steve Austin, to include a Edge, said that the minute Taker walked into the building in WWF, he was the coach. He was the guy. Yep. He was the godfather. Uh, the real one. So, yeah. Yeah, no, good point. Good point. So, Josh, what was your takeaway from the last ride? What was the one thing that really stood out to you? <clears throat> For me, it was uh, how devoted he was to the character. You know, and that like it goes back to what you guys were just talking about. Of... Uh, is there anybody going to be as big of a character as the Undertaker? And the problem is that I don't think there's going to be anybody, because no one respects the business as much as the Undertaker did. And w- what I mean by that is that no one literally changed their lifestyle when they go out. No one does that anymore because it's just a new era of wrestlers. So you're not going to see someone that's that devoted to their character as the Undertaker was. And the only person that I think currently. That would have a chance of it if he kept it up for the next 30 years would be MJF. He's the only one that lives the lifestyle currently in the business. That's really in and outside so, the but, right? He's keeping yeah, right. kayfabe. So I mean, he's right, and he's the only one that does that anymore. So I think without an era of kayfabe, you're not going to have any of those iconic memories of wrestlers anymore. I just really don't think. I think everybody is going to be a one-off. And what I mean by that, everyone's like, no, everyone's pretty good right now. They're going to, no, everyone's going to be like CM Punk or they're going to be mm-hmm. like, in, like a, you know what I mean? Like what I mean by that is they're going to be memorable and they're awesome when they're out. But 20 years from now, you're not going to be talking about CM Punk or, you know, what, you know what I mean? Like those style characters because they were just during that moment. And for people that don't believe that, think about it. When CM Punk was huge for, what, five, six, seven, eight years after he left? Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. And then now people are already like, we don't really want to see him back anyway. So that sort of shit left. Whereas if, if Father Time never happened and the Undertaker was like, I'm going to step back in the ring right now, everyone would be like, yes, forever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, I don't know. Well, yeah, no, I on, again. No one there ever has, yeah, exactly. Again, will there ever Nobody be another Undertaker? And I'll tell you right. why I don't think there's ever going to be another Thank Undertaker. So because I don't know of another wrestler that can go that far into his career to include Ric Flair for me. I don't know another wrestler that can go that far into his career and still has me engaged. How thankful I am! Thank you, thank you, the Lord above. 
for not letting Goldberg kill the Undertaker in Saudi Arabia by breaking <laughs> his freaking neck. I mean, how horrible would that have been? And, and to see that replayed backwards, I'm sorry, guys. We've talked about it on the show. There's two people in this world that need to get out of wrestling and, and put a black mark on them. One of them is Goldberg, and the other is Nia Jax. With that said, in Saudi Arabia, seeing that played back, seeing the botch, Goldberg knew he his bell was rung. He had no business trying to put Taker in a jackknife. He can't lift the guy and comes a millimeter and breaking his damn neck. How thankful I am that that wasn't actually what retired Undertaker. I'm glad we got closure to why the match with Roman Reigns sucked so bad. Like, for so long, I <laughs> yeah. thought, Roman Reigns, you're terrible. You're mm-hmm. the one that made this match bad because there's no way Taker would have brought that to the table. Then you then you go back and watch, and you're like, why was he even in the ring? Why was Taker even wrestling? Yeah. But you know what's crazy, though? It took that match, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. After The Undertaker lost to Brock Lesnar, his character took a dip. Took a yeah. massive dip. Yeah, because what and do you do now? If he, w- if he would have ended on that Roman Reigns match, his character would have died. And he would not have been on the rush more. People would have thought Under- Undertaker was cool, but everything he had left. The fact that he watched that and said, fuck it, I'm coming back, and then came back and looked, looked like he did 10 years ago, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he's the best. One yeah. of the best. Hands down. Hands down. The greatest character. I don't know if there's a better human being to ever be in wrestling. And that really, didn't that really resonate? I thought that was, that really jumped off the screen with um, seeing him in his family life, you know, with Michelle McCool and his his girls. And uh, I guess seeing The Undertaker being a normal 55-year-old man that had aches and pains when he walked, I, I guess that, that for me, that added to the allure to The Undertaker. It didn't take away from him. It didn't, it didn't, uh, humanize him for me it just it added to the allure like holy crap his body is beat to shit i mean beat to shit and he's coming back after hip surgeries and still putting on a show that uh most of these wrestlers today only dream of being able to put on i'm so glad that Shawn michaels even said that that match with him triple h and kane the undertaker was shit because i watched that and i was like this is awful why did you come back sean why did yeah. you come back for this? And I'm glad they touched on that. We're like, we shouldn't have did that match. Why did You're you right. cut your hair, Sean? <laughs> and they come up with a like a cheesy ass bandana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was all fake. It was like under a hat and shit. Exactly. It's terrible. But uh, with that, what's on your mind, brother? Uh, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I know we want to talk a little AEW SmackDown Raw. Um, but did you guys happen to notice on social media or over the weekend? That Dr. Disrespect was banned from Twitch, and the only reason I'm bringing him up is because he, he, we were talking Undertaker, right? And he had that that little little brawl thing with Undertaker on his stream. Do do either of you guys know why this is going on? Why he was banned from Twitch at all? Is this all just hearsay? It's kind of weird to get banned from a platform, and then you know, 72, you know, several hours later, there's no reason or rhyme for it. Speculations is all I know. I mean, yeah. you, you have everything from. Uh, rape allegations to uh, he broke contract to he's starting up his own viewing platform. So, I mean, there's everything. I don't think really anybody knows. So I think everyone's just kind of shooting out kind of what's what's going on. Um, I kind of believe Doc, though. So when, when Doc put on there that he doesn't know what's going on, I believe that. Because if he comes out that he knows what's going on 
after he said that, he's going to lose the trust of his fans because all of his fans, I'm talking like 99.9% .9 of the Champions Club, is following him right now. So. Yeah, everybody's backing him. And that's that was what I was thinking too. Like, why would you go on and alienate your fans and say, I have no idea why t Twitch banned me, right? However, I think if it would be in Doc's best interest, if he knew why he was being banned, to not say anything, not even get on social media, stay, you know, stay undercover, right? But the fact that he came out and actually tweeted, I don't know what the hell's going on here, guys. Your, your guess is as good as mine. Leads me to believe that Twitch is doing something funky as fuck right now. Yeah. And whether or not it comes out later on that Doc did do something that is no good, uh, you know, then then obviously then he's got to deal with that. Um, and then Twitch is making whatever calls that they feel is right. But as of right now, the fact that nobody knows and it's been hours and days and that's a little fuck. Twitch, you guys need to say what's going on with the Doc because I need to know if the guy has done something wrong or not. Like, this is fucking weird. Like, it's strange. It's got conspiracy written all over it. Something needs to get. Yeah, it certainly has that wrestling story feel to it where uh sounds like the doc's got a little kayfabe going. <laughs> it might be. It might be. His his streaming was all weird last week, too. So this could be He's like some major kayfabe. Yeah, always. That dude's in character. He he was going to basketball games. Uh, when he was going to, like, I think he went to the Golden State Warriors uh, playoff game. He went to the playoff game as the doc in character. He didn't go as Guy Beam. He went as Dr. Disrespect. That dude is always in character. Well, I want to talk about a certain character that um, basically leads me to the point of saying, I told you so. So, I told you guys so. FTR is the greatest tag team in AEW, hands oh, down, period. FTR is the greatest signing since John Moxley in AEW. There is none better. I'm going to back Did this up. Did you feel this way bit. about the revival when they were with WWE, though? Hell no, because the WWE didn't know what they were doing. I saw the raw talent there. I saw the charisma there. I saw the potential there. But, man, they – and it's not AEW creative. It's them being able to do what they want to do, them being able to do what they know they can do, which is basically uh, reinvent the brain busters with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. I'm, I love every second of this. Guys, if you go back to our dark series where we talked about tag teams – Fans, yeah. go back and check it out if you haven't heard it. It was, it was a really good series we put out there. Uh, one of the things I talked about in that series was you have to have certain rules in a tag match that need to be followed to an extent so that your heel can break those rules and then get the heat, right? Right. JR even brought this out in the broadcast on Wednesday night. FTR is actually using the tag ropes. Those little ropes that dangle from the corners, they're actually utilizing them the way you're supposed to. Showing every other tag team in AEW how to do business and how to make things believable, how to make things get over. It makes me think of uh, the, the famous phrase that uh, Arn Anderson heard from Dusty Rhodes back in the late 80s when he showed up at Crockett. He walked into Dusty's office and just looked at him and said, well, Dusty, uh, where do I go from here? And Dusty just tipped his hat up and looked at him and said, Hey, baby, just go over. Go out there and get over, baby. That's all FTR's done. Is they I feel showed like up. you're making me eat crow. Because I remember what I said in that podcast. I said they were going to get lost in the shuffle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And well, now I'm feeling stupid for that comment. always served really well with a little bit of salt rubbed in the wound. I still don't like them. 
<laughs> you fucker. I just cut <laughs> I just cut this beautiful tapestry promo of dating back to other shows and why I like them so much and all we get from Josh is, hey, I still don't like him. <laughs> it's the fucking truth. Nah, why? No, no, no. I mean, what? what is it you don't like? What is it you don't like? Okay. Is it they There's haven't been like. paired up with the right people yet? No. Okay. Here's what the problem is. AEW is becoming the one thing they wish they were not. They are scooping up WWE talent, which they said they weren't going to do. And then they're rebranding them as the same people, just like WCW did. And all they're doing is recreating WCW, which ultimately will get them views at the beginning and have them win the early war. But in the end, they will die. No way. No way. Because you can't even say they're doing that. They have Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. We are many. They are one. You're wrong. You are wrong. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Because in the late 90s, WCW did scoop up everybody. It was a for it was a fact if you didn't see uh, Rick Rude on Monday, you were going to see him next Monday on, on Nitro. Mr. Perfect, uh, Randy Savage, you just go down the line. Ted DiBiase, keep going down the line. That is exactly what they did, and you're right in that matter. Where you're wrong is AEW is not scooping up everybody. The WWE released upwards of 45 people from their roster in the last two months. There have not been 45 people show up at AEW. In fact, We've only seen the addition of three more people. I'm sorry, four more people, two in which come from Impact. One was Impact Wrestling and the other is NWA Wrestling. The only ones from the WWE that have showed up, you got Matt Hardy, you have FTR now. Uh, am I missing somebody? I'm missing somebody. Who is it? It uh, doesn't matter. So you have, you have FTR and you have Matt Hardy that showed up. They're picking and choosing. If they were swooping up everybody, Josh, then Rusev would be on AEW right now. But no. Rusev is in his Bulgarian cottage sitting on his ass right now. He'll be over there. I think I think he's already quietly signed. You know, <clears throat> the thing about the Revival is they're homegrown, right? They're WWE through and through. Um, I, I see both sides of this. I see Josh's side where these are WWE guys coming over to AEW. But I also see Leland's point of view is maybe they came from WWE, but AEW's got the better ability allowing their talent to be talented and to give them proper story and uh, allow their characters to thrive versus where WWE really locks them down, preventing pipe bombs and preventing them from running wild all over the, the, the ring. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, yeah, it, it could very well be. And, and I, I really hope I don't get shot to my, to my, my friends down South here in Chicago, but it could very well be that we see WWE the way they are with their creative and everything that's going on because of CM Punk. Could be wrong, but you know that they don't let their talent thrive, and that's what the revival or fuck the revival or FTR gets the opportunity to do now at AEW. So I see both sides. I do. Well, I'll tell you one thing that the WWE isn't doing: it's capturing my attention with their pay-per-views. I don't care how many matches they put on their posters that say "Greatest in the World," "Greatest Ever." Um, I, I really don't care what they're doing. The, here's the fact of the matter: they have put out. Uh, and the no crowd thing, I'm done hearing that. I'm done hearing that. I get it. it. It's not the wrestling that everybody loves. The crowds will come back. Calm down, everybody. There's stuff to still appreciate and to watch. WWE has put out every uh, pay-per-view they've had um, to order since WrestleMania as a no crowd situation. 
Not one of those wrestle, not one of those pay-per-views to include backlash with the greatest match ever, quote unquote, grab my attention as much as AEW has grabbed my attention in one week of play with Fighter Fest. They've moved Fighter Fest to taking up two Wednesdays, July 1st, as this is recording, as you're hearing it tonight, will be the first night of Fighter Fest. The second night's going to be July 8th. The second night of Fighter Fest is going to have each each show has their own card, and man, these matches! I'm telling you right now, I cannot wait to see Jericho and uh, Orange Cassidy. Cards are on F- fire, man! Cannot wait to see Orange Cassidy finally get this push. That promo that was cut, or I guess lack of promo that was cut in the ring, where Jericho is is scathing him. He wasn't even that wasn't even like champion. That was Chris Jericho saying, you piece of shit, you get into my ring, you do your no-selling crap, and you think you're going to get over, not on my dime. I'm going to whoop the hell out of you. And then He Orange forced Cassidy, him into selling. He did. Exactly. Like fucking Jericho exactly. did his damn job, and he did it better than any wrestler I've ever seen. Yeah. All right? Like, you you, you take the guy that gets in the ring that's just kicking your shins and, and getting over by doing this, and then you get him in the ring with Jericho. Jericho's not going to fuck around with that shit. He's going to force you... To take a bump and it's going to force you to sell a match and mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he did with cassidy and that's what cassidy needs i feel like this is long overdue that's what cassidy needs and i'll tell you there was two points in dynamite on wednesday that really captured me one was this uh was the jericho orange cassidy promo and the second was the cody jake hager uh press conference the way in mm-hmm. the, the fight press I wasn't conference. feeling that one was i would i was digging that and i'm gonna tell you why I like the real sports feel to it. I, I get, I, I get it, people. I know it's not real. But why the inconsistency? Why have they not been doing that? Because they're a new company and they're trying new things. And there's no crowd. Like, why did we do that? Why did we do that for this match? It's the fucking TNT title. It's not the damn AEW Championship belt. I'll tell you like, why, why I did that? it. Because the TNT title at this point for me means more than the AEW Championship. I am not as invested in in John Moxley. Um, and uh, dear lord I'm losing his name um, that beast what the hell's his name uh, we'll have to edit this out the old boy that, that came over from Impact um, Brian Cage ooh, Brian Cage? Ooh. wow thought I remember that one I'm not as invested as Brian Cage John Moxley as I am with uh, Cody Rhodes and Jake Hager Cody Rhodes and Jake Hager that story goes back to WWE it goes back. It has a lineage. In the way they're presenting it, you had Cody as the squeaky clean champion, Arn Anderson doing his bidding on the mic, and then Hager disrespectfully shows up late with his girlfriend, not to say a whole lot, but to throw some water in his face and say, hey, I'm going to kick your ass. We'll see you next Wednesday. That invested me. As much as, as much as I know it's a work and it's wrestling, it was invested, and I cannot wait to see Jake Hager get the shit kicked out of him. He did his job. It has me invested. I- I think I agree, and I'm going to let Big Dog talk here in a minute. I don't mean to keep stealing his his spotlight here, but um, I agree with the John Moxley and the Brian Cage match because all I can think in the back of my mind is Tessa Blanchard kicked Brian Cage's ass, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to believe how badass he is against John Moxley. But I know that Impact and AEW are not the same. I get it, I get it, but I just keep thinking about Tessa Blanchard and Brian Cage, and I'm just thinking, eh. It's not that great. You know, whatever. Moxley, hopefully he wins. You know, it's kind of that thing. Uh, so I get it. But I still wasn't... I still don't understand why we haven't done that for the AEW title to build that title up. 
and why we're, we're focusing on the TNT title unless it's just a new thing. And, you know, like any shiny new toy, you want to you wanna keep it clean for a little bit before it gets a little rust. Well, I think that the TNT title is getting the shine right now because since AEW's insurgence, we have instinctively, we have wanted to see Cody Rhodes hold that title. We've wanted to see him hold a, a championship title in AEW. And now we're getting that. We thought it was going to be the AEW title. I'm glad it wasn't because I loved seeing Jericho and I would like to see Jericho have a second run with that title. Uh, maybe not within the calendar year, but down the road, I think he's got uh, two more years left on his contract, something like that. So I would like, I'd like to see that. I'd like to maybe even see some more Moxley Jericho matches. Um, but I, I want to see, I would like to see Moxley hang on to it for a while. Brian Cage is a huge specimen of a man. Um, I think him and Wardlow could do business together, but you don't need a title for that. that that's a spectacle alone. Just like having Wardlow and um, Luchasaurus. Yeah. I mean, these guys put on a clinic. I put it on our social media earlier on the week that, you know, a clip from that match. They put on the clinic. That's the big guys we're looking for in AEW. And boy, did they deliver. Real quick from the both of you Tessa Blanchard, just to know AEW. No. She'll fully go to AEW. You think she she should be, or or in your opinion, Big Dog, do you think she should? Do you think AEW should sign, or should they just let her go, let her go on her merry way? Sign her. Interesting. Do you think Do you think it would be best for business for AEW because she's already proven that she can be a contender in the men's division as well. She isn't all about just women's division. She's all about whoever she can get her hands on to become a number one contender for anything. Do you think that's what AEW needs? I think they should move away from her and be more concerned about Zack Ryder. They need to pick up Zack Ryder is what AEW needs right now. There you go. That's a good answer. Yeah, I don't really want to see Tessa Blanchard over in AEW. Um, I would like to see her show up in WWE, possibly, I don't care, Raw or SmackDown. But eventually when Charlotte gets healthy, I'd like to see her come back and, and run a, a oh, run a set with uh, Charlotte. God, we talked about that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Back on like New Year's that. Day, we said the dream match would be Charlotte and Tessa. Yeah, and I Ugh. would like to see those two um, have an angle. You know, I'd like to see it for a title, but it doesn't need to be because they have enough meat on the bone. Because you can go back to when uh, Ric Flair was being inducted in the Hall of Fame, and you can look in the crowd and see uh, Ashley Flair and Tessa Blanchard sitting there as, as kids, basically. So they could go back to that. They could create a whole story. Now, do I trust that WWE Creative would be able to to pull off this phenomenal story? Absolutely not. But that's what I would like to see. Guys, we have a big two weeks coming up with Fighter Fest. I cannot wait to get into that. Each each show, we're going to get into it a little more, a little more. Undertaker, rest in peace, brother. Greatest character of all time. No matter what the wrestling uh, banner says, WWE, AEW, WCW, WCCW, it doesn't matter. Undertaker is the greatest uh, character of all time. And I cannot wait to see the see him move forward and hear some gongs in the future. And uh, with that, whether you heal, whether you're babyface, you do you, baby.